The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist, small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald. I'm a mining columnist with Stockhead, writing under the guise of Garen Perro. Garen Perro has expanded in recent times to podcasts on the junior mining scene. So, welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. We've got another interesting one today, the wonderfully named Boab Metals. It trades under the code of BML, or Bravo Mike Lima, and last traded at 43.5 cents for a market cap of 66 million. Boab is the lead 75% partner in the Sorby Hills Lead Silver Project, which is about 50 kilometres northeast of sunny Kununurra in the East Kimberley region of WA. The 25% partner is China's biggest lead smelting company and silver producer, Henan Yuguan. Now, it has to be said that Sorby Hills has been around for 50 years, but it's only since Boab's entry into the project in October 2018 that its charge towards production began in earnest. A DFS is ongoing and is due for completion in the first quarter of next year, and a final investment decision could follow in the second quarter. Now, Boab is fully financed to get to that point and goes into the DF, uh, sporting an August 2020 preliminary feasibility study, which pointed to a $183 million CapEx project capable of producing 50,000 tonnes of lead and 1.5 million ounces of silver in concentrates annually, all of which would be shipped through the port of Wyndham. Using a US 95 cent lead price and a US $21.10 silver price, the PFS came back with a robust set of financial numbers for an initial 10-year project. Capital payback was put at 1.6 years, and average life of mine EBITDA was put at 75 million, more in the, in the initial years. It's worth noting that currently lead is trading at a three-year high of US $1.04 a pound and silver is doing its thing at $26 US an ounce. For a $66 million company, that's all very interesting. But Boab is out to make Sorby Hills bigger and better before pushing the start button. We've got Boab Managing Director Simon Noon with us today to bring us up to speed on just how the company is going about that. And we're relying on Simon to convince us that both lead and silver should be seen as sexy as the other battery materials for some good reasons. So good day, Simon. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for your time today. Good day, Barry. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me and uh, look forward to walking you through uh, some pretty exciting activities that are going on at the moment. Right. Now, Simon, I've, I've mentioned that uh, while a PFS has been done and a DFS is underway, BOAB is uh, out to make Sorby bigger and better. Can you explain? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, we obviously uh, released a, a pretty impressive PFS uh, late last year, but um, just after doing so, we, we had a, a DFS drill program, uh, which was look, largely aimed at uh, a little bit of infill, uh, but, but most importantly, uh, collecting metallurgy samples to, to get us to the DFS level uh, and some geotech holes. Um, we had about 1,500 metres of uh, resource drilling, uh, obviously not a lot, 
Um, but what that, uh, I guess, led to was was uh, a really successful upgrade in the resource as far as converting measured resources. Um, but it also identified some really interesting opportunities to potentially expand those uh, PFS pit optimizations and, 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 uh, and some really interesting extensions. So at that stage, we, we made the decision to include one more drill program uh, as part of the DFS. Uh, and so uh, we waited for the wet season to pass and, uh, and we were straight out there drilling uh, in May. Uh, and that, that's still, still going on at the moment. And, uh, and what that's done is really, you know, we're looking to, to do infill on the extensions that we, we picked up late last year and, uh, and further test those, those extensions, um, around the, the, the pits that will be formed in the initial years of, of mining at Sorby Hills. Mm, okay. Now, I noticed a reference in some of the updates on the drilling program, a reference to, um, um, hydrothermal style mineralization. Uh, in addition to the strata-bound carbonate-hosted mainstay mineralisation, what uh, what should we be reading into that? Look, yeah, look, really interesting, Barry. Um, we we first recognised this this uh, different style of mineralisation in that program late last year, and so the aim was to to you know further confirm the presence of it, uh, but to to initially try and step that out um, around 100 metres to the to the northwest of Amiga, where we were sort of modelling it. Uh, to potentially go to. Now that, uh, based on what we see uh, visibly, visibly with logging, um, we have indeed done that. Uh, so we, we see the mineralisation. Uh, we will obviously await assays uh, to confirm what the what the grade is there. But but it's you know fr- from a technical point of view, we've we've already extended that mineralisation. So really interesting. And, and as we've said in our latest announcement. Um, there's a potential now to model more of that mineralisation uh, from from uh, holes that we've done over the last three years. So some interesting work going on behind the scenes at the moment on that. Okay. So <clears throat> appreciate that it's ongoing work, but uh, I think the previous owners were looking at a, a 400,000 tonne per annum sort of operation. Uh, now you're looking at 1.5 million tonnes per annum, uh, which you've uh, got 92% coverage of reserves, I know. But um, are we uh, are we getting closer to this possibility of getting to a, a two million ton per annum sort of scenario? Look, I think we are. Um, it's it's you know the aim is is certainly to get there with the, with the DFS and um, well this this project lends itself I think to to an upgrade um, you know around year three. Um, so you mentioned before that about the EBITDA being considerably higher. In the early years, and, and that's exactly right. So uh, we have EBITDA um, seventy-five million average over the ten-year mine life, but interestingly, the first two years is actually one hundred and twenty-seven million per annum. And what's behind that really is is um, a portion of, of the ore body being high grade and very close to surface. Um, in fact, just twenty meters from surface. So what we see is uh, after those initial two years of production, we see a, a drop in the grade. And so that lends itself there to an upgrade in processing capacity. So, uh, and then what we would look to do is, is really focus on the metal output of the plant. So in those early years, it's around 110,000 tonnes of concentrate. And, uh, and so what we would look to do then is increase production so that we could actually maintain that same level of Concentrate output, and 
look, this project will look uh, outstanding if we're able to do that. Um, and of course, if you did that with the existing uh, mining inventory uh, based on the PFS, what that would do that is, is essentially shorten your mine life. Um, and then we're hoping that this drilling can then plug that gap. So we're looking to to maintain uh, the 10-year mine life if possible, but go a bit bigger, uh, at least from year three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, here's a curly one for you. One of life's great mysteries, uh, uh, perspective uh, EBITDA of 75 million, even on a, a base case sort of outlook. Um, why is the market cap 66 mil? Uh, look, it's, it's, I think it's a bit it's a few things really, Gary. Uh, one of them you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, and that is that uh, this is an historic project um, and it's been around for a long time. Now, you know, for those that are you know prepared to dig a little bit deeper and have a look at what's changed, I mean, this is a completely different ore body to what was discovered back then. Uh, in the space of three years, we've drilled, drilled way more diamond holes than had been drilled previously. Um, so our understanding of the ore body has grown significantly, and then, uh, as we as we point out in, in most of our presentations, uh, the progress with the overall resource has been absolutely fantastic. We, though we when we acquired the project in late 2018, uh, it was a largely inferred resource with a small portion of indicated. Um, we now find ourselves uh, with so we've essentially more than tripled the the M&I category, and obviously. The resource has considerable amount of measured resources now, which you never had previously. So, uh, very different all body, but you know, it, it is sometimes a battle to get people to, to look closely. People often uh, think they really, you know, they know the deposit, and, uh, and so that that's the first battle. But I think the second uh, one that I think uh, is creating the opportunity for people that exist right now, as far as um, market cap uh, currently at the company is, is, is lead itself. I mean, you know, I think um, there's this sort of misconception out there that, that lead is, um, you know, it's it's going away. And, and the reality is that uh, it, it's very much still the, the go-to uh, battery for uninterrupted power uh, around the globe. So mm. again, you just have to be prepared to, to have, go in and have a look at the, the data. Uh, but, uh, but lead's not going away anytime soon. And um, essentially that's been confirmed with uh, with our offtake discussions. You know the appetite for the product is is very very strong. Mm. I think uh, what more more than eighty five percent of lead goes into uh, lead acid batteries. Um, and as as we know, we've got this uh, huge focus on at the moment on the battery materials going into lithium ion batteries. But um, I was wondering if you can just talk to why um, you know that lead acid batteries are in fact found in EVs, let alone standard uh, internal combustion cars, because they the uninterruptible power and the, the obviously uh, excellent safety record means that uh, they are the best solution, even in uh, these modern high tech uh, EVs. That's correct. Yeah, look, uh, there is uh, there is a, a twelve volt lead acid battery uh, in most of uh, most electric vehicles, and they they are indeed there to uh, to control the safety systems on the vehicle and and starting etc but um and look that doesn't look like uh, changing anytime soon um and say with hospitals communication towers um you know lead is still the go-to mm. uh, battery is that because people don't trust uh, lithium-ion batteries 
Yeah, I think there's a, there's a number of reasons. I think one thing that people, uh, I mean, sustainability is, is, is a big part of, you know, where, where the world shifted going forward. And, and of course, uh, lead is uh, one of the most recycled metals on earth. Mm. So, uh, and then there's obviously the cost factor. Um, but yeah, look, safety as well. Um, you know, there's some, there's some great uh, literature out there that, talks to the, the, the safety records of, of the various batteries and of course lead is a proven uh, provider of, of uh, an unscripted power. Mm, okay. Now we're talking a lead silver project here, 54 million ounces of silver is uh, one of the biggest undeveloped silver deposits in Australia and uh, as we know the silver is like gold, has its uh, fans. I was just wondering do you think you trade as a, a lead more of a lead stock than a silver stock, or do you have your silver fans in the stock as well? <laughs> Interesting question. Look, uh, we certainly should be seen as a lead stock because that's the, re- the reality. Uh, you know, the seventy-five percent of the revenue in the PFS came from from the lead, and, and of course, twenty-five from the silver. Um, but yeah, look, up until recently, uh, we've we've very much followed the silver price, uh, and and just like years we've seen a bit, of, a bit more movement in the lead. Um, People have taken a bit more of an interest, but uh, look, I think importantly, what this provides, this project provides, is is essentially low risk exposure to, to silver. Um, right. As you mentioned, we used a, a pretty conservative twenty one dollar uh, silver price for, for our study, which was essentially the ten year average price. Um, but this project works on the lead, and uh, and of course, if we do reach some of the uh, the predictions with silver price, and we start to see thirty or forty or, or even higher silver price. Well, well, then that's you know that's great. Mm. Uh, but you know, unlike a lot of silver projects, which you know would need to be at, at around that level uh, to work, this this one of course um, works just fine on the lead alone. So yeah, I think it's it's quite unique. It, it is it is a unusually high silver credit for this style of deposit. So yeah, it certainly offers that that exposure. Mm. So really, no different to uh, the most profitable copper or gold mines around, where either the copper's paying for the gold or the gold's paying for the copper. Indeed, indeed. Mm. Okay. And just on silver, how, how do you see uh, its uh, industrial? Uh, we all understand the metals hedge appeal, but how do you see growth in its industrial applications, most notably in solar panels? Well, look, it, it's still uh, the best known conductor of electricity. And, um, and of course, we're, we're in a world that's essentially electrifying. So the demand, uh, the industrial demand for silver is, is clearly growing rapidly. Um, and uh, and that, that, I think, provides a little bit more excitement. We, we know that when we've seen these sort of silver runs in the past, they've generally come back down pretty quickly. But uh, we're in unknown territory, I think, now um, with, uh, with such a strong industrial demand for silver. Yeah. Mm, okay. Now, if um, financing, uh, what are the plans there? Uh, how are you going with it? And obviously, um, you're only a half an hour from Kalanara, so if there's uh, any new metals project in Australia that should be qualifying for Northern Australian Industry Facility Export Finance Help or Export Finance Australia Help, I would assume it's this one. Um, are you involved with those guys? We are indeed. You nailed that uh, in one Barry. I mean, uh, the location of the project, 50 kilometres out of uh, of Kananara, as you mentioned, and, uh, only 150 k from port. Uh, we've got an opportunity here for a drive in, drive out 
night and, uh, and that uh, represents a fantastic opportunity for Kainara, one that we you know, intend to leverage from. Mm. Um, so yes, we, we, we engaged NAIF and uh, we are now in the, in the due diligence phase and um, it, it very much fits the bill really for, for, for what the type of projects they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So at some stage you'll have to make a decision on your uh, debt equity split. Um, when do you think that might happen? Uh, look, it's going to be uh, post DFS. Um, we are sort of bringing financiers up the curve along along the way through the DFS, but, but clearly, you know, final final uh, decisions on, on on that split and, and obviously um, sign off by the, the various uh, lenders will, will come post DFS. Yeah. Okay. Now, outside of financing, I'm just wondering what the key challenges uh, are operating in that part of the world, as well as the advantages and just on the advantages, I saw a mention of uh, the potential for hydropower. So potentially what, we could have green lead and silver production, could we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, most of the listeners are probably aware that uh, Argyle Diamonds Mine closed late last year and, uh, and they were um, connected to the, the hydro grid. And uh, what's that done? That's left some uh, extra capacity. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're hopeful that we can uh, get connected to that to that grid and uh, be sourcing most of our energy from the hydro dam. Uh, and we're in discussions with uh, with Horizon, mm. um, and hopefully we can work towards a good outcome there. Mm. So although it's well sitting here in Melbourne, <laughs> Sydney for that matter, even Perth, we think Kununurra is so remote, but access potentially to hydro and uh, what uh, a short drive into Kununurra, um, it's not all that remote, is it? Not at all, and 150 k's to Wyndham Port, which mm. of course uh, already ships metal concentrates and, um, and no issues with capacity there. Mm. Okay, now we've touched on how you're, you're growing the um, uh, the scale of the deposits that will be mined, but I was just wondering regionally, is there exploration upside there as well? There is, yeah. yeah. So we've, we've uh, acquired a, a really interesting piece of ground to the south, which we've called Eight Mile Creek. Um, it's a very large uh, tenement, um, unexplored essentially, um, and so we ran some gravity over that uh, over the recent months, and, uh, and the first two drill holes will actually go into that tenement um, to, at the tail end of this drill program. Right, and is the expectation will be a similar style uh, potentially of mineralisation? Yeah, look, those initial holes will, will tell us a lot about where we sit in the stratigraphy, and, uh, and then we can work out. Uh, from there where we go within the tenement. But essentially, you know, if we're in that same mineralised horizon that we see at Sorby, then, of course, there's every chance that we could intersect uh, more of, 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 you know, similar-style mineralisation to Sorby, which would be absolutely mm. fantastic. Mm, okay. All right, then. So let's bring it all together, if we could, and give investors a feel for what are the milestones, um, announcements they should be looking out for before uh, 2021 passes by. Yeah, sure. Look, um, so look, I think next up will be, uh, you know, some, some assay results from the drilling and, um, we'll probably get some out sort of before the program finishes and then uh, some further results out just hopefully not too far afterwards. Um, we're expecting to release our DFS metallurgical test work results. Um, that program should be finished by the end of next month. So, uh, we should have a, an announcement out on that. Uh, shortly afterwards. Um, look, the, the, the Met is, is pretty easy with this project, so we're not expecting any 
surprises there, but uh, but of course I think that the market will get further comfort knowing that uh, you know your network has reached the FS level mm. and, uh, and confirming what the recovery will be. Um, shortly after that, uh, you know, as soon as the drilling is finished, essentially we'll launch into a, a resource update that will underpin the, the DFS and obviously the DFS pit optimizations. So I'm I'm hopeful that that's probably going to be around the September. Uh, September October time once that's completed, and so that'll be more news. And then um, I think following that, uh, we're, we're hoping that uh, we can uh, announce some some offtake agreements. So we we uh, we got indicative offers uh, based on PFS net results. As soon as the the DFS network is uh, completed, those specifications for the concentrates will go off to the uh, potential offtakers, and we'll look to. Um, to move into binding agreements before Christmas. Right. Okay. A very full agenda. So there we go, folks. Um, lots to look out for there. Drilling results as they grow the scale of the project and, uh, importantly, network uh, confirming that uh, there's no issues there. Followed by a resource update uh, in September, October. So uh, anyone buying today is uh, buying, well, potentially buying something much bigger that will emerge by the end of the year. So... With that, Simon, thanks for your time today. Exciting project and uh, wish you all the best with it. Thank you very much. That's great talking to you and um, yeah, look forward to keeping you updated. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe. To hear more about them or become a client, contact them on plus six one eight six three. Eight zero nine two double zero.